are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. I'm excited about today's topic because today we're going to talk about PECS, otherwise known as the Picture Exchange Communication System. And if you're a speech pathologist who works with children with special needs, odds are you have a child on your caseload who is using PECS as an augmentative communication device. And that's because it's so popular. Many educators are trained in PECS. Many ABA therapists are trained in PECS. Many speech pathologists are trained in PECS. And many parents are trained in PECS. It's widely available and it's widely used across clinical settings, home settings, school settings settings and private practice settings. So it's something you really want to know and you really want to know well. What I want to explore today is let's look at the strengths and the weaknesses of PECS because PECS definitely brings with it some definite pros and some cons. And knowing these pros and cons allows you to make better decisions for who PECS is right for and who PECS is wrong for. So let's dive deep into PECS today. The first thing you're gonna to wanna to look at is we're going to wanna look at its obvious strength and its affordability of materials. So as I, when I was in college, I went to Mexico and we set up all of these PEC systems for children who are non-speaking down there. And what did it require? It simply required cutting labels off of their favorite food, off of their favorite drink products from their favorite toys, taking Polaroid pictures back then and putting mailing tape on those Polaroid pictures and Velcro on the side of it. So we took mailing tape and put those over the labels and put them over all of the pictures and the miniature objects. And we just adhered Velcro to the back of it. We put that on a Velcro board and voila, voila. There we go. We had a communication system in place. So it's affordable. You could use many objects. You could use actual labels. You could use pictures, photos, or you could use symbols. And so it's very easy and very affordable and you could use it and put it in place very simply in an hour or so you could have a communication device ready like that. It's durable. You could take it to the beach. You could take it outside. You could even use it in bath time if it's well laminated. So here's the benefit. 
But what is the obvious cons? Even though the materials are very affordable, the training is not. The training is actually quite expensive. If you're a professional, it's over $400 to, for two-day virtual training impacts. If you're a parent, it's $300 for a two-day virtual training impacts. And the two-day training is the basic training that you're going to need to go through to understand the sixth stage of, is of PECS in the system and how to do it correctly. So that's not cheap. If you can compare that to another training such as LAMP for Life, their trainings are about $50 a piece. And for two days of $50 piece trainings, uh, it'll be $50 a piece to get a two, two days worth of training for a program such as LAMP for, for Life. So just to put it into perspective of what the price is. So let's look at the second pro. The second pro when it comes to PACs is that the research indicates that there's an increase in the number of spontaneous requests that children make using PACs. So these are non-initiated requests. That's a great thing. Now, how is that? And that's because PACs operates by waiting and using a prompt that's very powerful, which is known as time delay. And time delay is simply you present the desired action or you present the desired object and you wait for the child to initiate the request. So that is how PECS works in teaching children to initiate. They don't begin by asking, what do you want? Or tell me what you want. You begin by simply waiting and having the reward visually presented to the child. So that is a definite pro when it comes to PECS. It's that it's using time delay, which is a very powerful prompt, which is doing nothing at all, but expectantly waiting for the child to initiate. A definite con of PECS, and this is a big one, a really, really big one, is that it puts commenting last. So it has six stages, and the final stage, stage six, is when children use communication for, for commenting purposes. So the sentence strip would say, I see blank. Now, this is a real, 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 real big problem. And the reason it's such a big problem is because Amy Weatherby out of Florida State in her communication and symbolic behavior scales that looks at early communication of functions has found that commenting is the golden apple of communication. And children who comment early on have wonderful outcomes later. The ones who don't, requesting, however, doesn't have that predictive validity. It doesn't have that predictive validity in children who request early on, request objects and actions, that they go on to have wonderful social and communication outcomes later on. The ones who do are the ones who comment early on. This is very important. Commenting is much, much, much much, 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 much more valuable than requesting. So what you wanna do is you wanna start commenting as early as possible to teach children with autism spectrum disorder that commenting is power, that commenting and social interaction are powerful and meaningful. You don't want to put that on the back burner. So this is a real 
big problem when it comes to the PECS communication system is that they put uh, requesting in the forefront, which doesn't have the power that commenting does, that doesn't have the predictive validity of great social outcomes, great communication outcomes that commenting does. So we wanna focus on commenting early on. The third and last pro and con of PECS. This is another super important one to consider when it comes to PECS. Firstly, the sentence strip impacts. The sentence strip is correlated with better speech outcomes. And what the sentence strip is, is a strip where the child will say, I want chips. And the child points the word as the word is spoken. If the child continues to be non-speaking, the adult says the word as the child references the print. This is very powerful. This is when we see an increase in speech development is children who are at this stage known as stage four, the sentence strip stage. So the question to ask is what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it because children who got to stage four that requires putting the pictures, identifying the pictures, putting the pictures on a sentence strip, and then referencing the words as they're spoken have better motor skills, have better attentional skills, perhaps have better cognition skills. Maybe these are children who are already more likely to develop speech because globally they have these foundational skills that help them develop the complex motor behavior that speech is. Or perhaps the act of pointing to the words as spoken is facilitating the speech development. This is what I found in my own research and it's really exciting stuff. So I need to take a detour and go down this rabbit hole with you. What we know when we look at the brain is in the anterior portion of the lobe of the cerebellum, that's often called the motor lobe. Now it's not as simple as that, but I'm simplifying it for explanatory purposes. The anterior lobe of the cerebellum, often called the motor lobe, is responsible for fine motor movement in the most anterior portion, lingual movement in the middle, and in the posterior portion of the anterior lobe, gross motor movement. I want you to think about that. What I like to do is take that anterior lobe and focus stimulation and just light it up like a light bulb. And how can I light it up like a light bulb? Let's get the fingers moving with the gross motor. So if I light up the front portion through finger movement and fine motor, and I light up the back portion here through gross motor, in the middle, it's gonna generate vocal and lingual stimulation. I've lit that area of the brain up to increase the vocal output. So this was really exciting research that I found and I noticed it qualitatively as well as in my numbers, is that when I had the children not only move their bodies and cueing sounds, but move the fingers too, the vocalizations would come out. If the fingers were not involved and I just had the bodies creating the sounds with their bodies, and gestures without the finger movement, I was not getting the vocalizations. 
So I look at it like a hamburger, that anterior cerebellar lobe. And I think, let's light up the front let's with the fine motor, light up the back with the gross motor, and along will come the lingual motor. And there we get our speech. Okay, that's an exciting rabbit hole. It makes me drool because this is my passion in life is develop communication for children with autism. And this is kind of what keeps me up at night and what keeps me going back to the drawing board a million times over and over again. And I'm making progress in this area and I wanted to share it with you. Okay, so let's get back to the pro. So the pro is the sentence strip. And oftentimes I don't do packs because I break the rules. So I can't say I'm doing packs. I start at the sentence strip. And that's for that reason, I want to get the gross. I want to get the fine. I want to get the visual spatial. It's called visual motor integration. Them all working together because I want to stimulate the speech development through focused stimulation, stimulating that anterior lobe. That's what I'm doing. So I go right to the sentence strip on day one when I do my own version that's not called PECS because I'm breaking all the rules. So let's look at the con of PECS. The con of PECS is this, and I based this on some recent research that came out of Sweden that's in Research and Developmental Disabilities 2021. They researched 12 six-year-olds, and what they found is these children with autism spectrum disorder, they compared them with 12 typically developing matched peers. They have difficulty with picking up a peg and putting it inside of a hole. Now, this is why. This is what's involved in doing so. The first thing that's involved is you have to reach. This is a very complex visual motor task. You have to reach out to pick out the peg. Then you have to grasp it, fine motor. Then you have to extend your arm to the area you want to put it. And then you have to release it. I compare it to like when you're in the grocery store and you put a quarter in the machine and you can get the stuffed animal. And first you have to get it over and then you have to come down. You have to pick it up. You never get the stuffed animal. Just throw your money away. Okay. That's kind of what, like what it's like. It's very complex. It's a very complex multi-step action. So what does it require? It requires motor plan planning, motor programming, and working memory to remember the sequences of the event, executive function. So all of that is required, and that is a great weakness for children with autism spectrum disorder. So when we think about augmentative communication, we want to think about what is an easy and efficient way for this child to communicate? We don't want to say, what is the hardest way for this child to communicate? And if we ask the question, what is the hardest way for this child to communicate? We would have what PEX does for a step one. And their step one is to pick up a picture card. There we go, reaching, grasp it, extend it, release it. This is extremely difficult for children with autism spectrum disorder. Not only is it a complex visual motor task, which is an area of weakness for them, it requires a working memory, sequential memory, which is another weakness that has complex motor planning and programming. 
So all of their weak areas are simultaneously taxed in this activity that we have as a step one, what is supposed to be your most efficient and effortless way of communicating is actually their hardest. So this is not a good plan for augmentative and alternative communication devices for many children with autism spectrum disorder. It's like me, I'm tone deaf. I, 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 you should never give an instrument to me. That would be, unless you're trying to have me torture someone, give me an instrument and I can torture someone with that instrument. But to tell me to play that instrument as my means of communicating, the hardest thing for me, which would take the most effort and say, that's how I'm going to have you communicate, that makes no sense. And it makes no sense for children with autism spectrum disorder in knowing that this skill is incredibly difficult for children with autism, for saying, if you want something, you're gonna to have to engage in this incredibly complex motor skill, like playing an instrument in order to get it. So that, is a major, major con and pex. And as a result, the only way you could really do this skill is from hand over hand. And we really don't wanna do hand over hand for obvious reasons. But I think when you put your hand over someone, I think it can't help but kind of stimulate a reflex uh, into the um, reptilian brain, fight or flight. It's kind of a dominant reflex, someone's putting their hand over on top of you. I am not going to say don't touch the child because touch, I'm very big on multisensory and touch is a very powerful cue and a very powerful way of giving it, providing information to the child. We know that from Deborah Hayden's wonderful research on prompt and how beneficial it is for children to give them feedback through touch. But what I see is going hand under hand. And think about that, we can do that with other forms of augmentative communication in which the child is pointing, such as a core board if we're doing low tech, or if we're doing touch chat, or lamp for life, or any of those systems in which the child touches a symbol in order to activate the augmentative communication device. You could easily, that way, do your hand under the hand to assist in tucking the fingers or to assist in providing a foundation for the child to operate from as necessary. So that's, that's one reason why. Another reason why I don't like this task, besides it being complex, is that, and what's next? So we know that if we have the child point to symbols is a means of requesting, how many times have we used our fingers to point to manipulate technology today? Either on your phone or in your car or to order foods, fast food from a restaurant, or if you're checking out and, and buying food or groceries, all over the place, you've used your fingers and you've been pointing on symbols to request objects and activities all day today on your phone and every, everywhere you've gone today, probably. So that skill definitely has more functional use for the future when you're going low tech and starting up is having the child learn how to visually scan, find a symbol and press on that symbol to request. So that's another piece. Another piece of PEX as we're getting into this is moving the symbols around. 
Now, it's like if someone took your phone and moved all your symbols around, it'd be so hard for you to find what page each of your objects and items are on. Or on your computer screen where you have your different pro programs and your scroll menu and you know where everything is on a program. If people are moving those symbols around on you constantly, it would make you very inefficient. So that is another problem with PAX besides this idea of picking up a symbol and releasing it, exchanging it to another person, where else are you gonna use that skill? Where do you go from there? We're not in caveman days anymore where you'd be request, oh, 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 we pick up a, a rock and we hand it to someone else, you know, to have, to have them bang two rocks together, something like that. We're in the digital age. So we just thinking about that and thinking about the motor act itself and how complex and difficult it is, but also, what does mastering that motor act give you in the long run? How will that help you functionally communicate in the world today? So I've had so much fun with you today talking about PAX and just taking a step back and looking at its pros and cons and its strengths and its limitations because it's a very, very important decision we're making when we're looking at, okay, we don't have speech. How can we effortlessly and efficiently communicate our wants and needs. And taking a closer look at the, the strengths, the pros and the cons is time very well spent. So thanks for joining me today. It's time to roll up your sleeves and change the world one child at a time.